Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another great episode of the Alan Alfred Sports Talk Show. So glad that you can join us here tonight. We're going to have a fantastic show for you. A lot going on tonight. want to thank you for calling in and listening to the Alan Alfred Sports Talk Show. And definitely want to thank our fantastic sponsor, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting, you may need a support group. Definitely want to thank Chef G's. You need to check him out. He's doing big things. Got a new paint job on the new place. So check out Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. Pick up a four-pack at flbbqsauce.com. flbbqsauce.com. Definitely check out a four-pack. Let me know which flavor you think is the best. In fact, what we'll do right now is we're going to go ahead and play the Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce song. It's sang by none other than our great songwriter Sam Scola from Maine, Sam and Mary. We appreciate you tremendously. And in fact, you're going to hear a few Sam Scola songs. You heard the introductory song by Sam Scola. We got the Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. going to kick that off, play that song. And then we're going to play a few more Sam Scola songs. If you want to reach out to me, please do so. 516-418-5572. 516-418-5572. And definitely, when you reach out to me, let me know you're interested in Sam Scola. We'll make sure we get you connected, make things happen. So this is Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce Song by Sam Scola, right out of Maine. Comes in for the variety, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. Natural flavor, Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce. 
FLBBQSauce.com. Thank you again, Sam Scholar. We really appreciate you and Mary from Maine. And we're going to go ahead and get the show started off right. We're going to bring on a great caller. Fantastic. Somebody we tremendously appreciate. Bring him on right now. Hey, how you doing so far tonight, Lou? Thanks, Alan. A lot. That's great. How you been? All right. Well, I guess yeah. the Yankees, though, who have not done that well. Yeah, Yankees are really, really struggling. In fact, that was going to be a big question to ask you is, what do you think the fate are with the Yankees and Aaron Boone? Well, depending on what happens with Judge, you know, I mean, he could come back before this weekend's over. If they can get him on the right track, maybe the Yankees won't, you know, have to worry about uh, Boone uh, down, down these last few weeks. But the way it's going right now, I don't think that his job might be in jeopardy. Yeah, I agree. I, I just think that the, the Yankees are kind of falling back. You're right. It is a blessing that judges back. He can at least make them competitive for the stretch. But I definitely do think he's he's on the hot seat for sure. Yeah. I mean, at least at least it's a little bit better now. They're only eight games back. And in the wild card, last time I checked, they were about three and a half back. So, But they're dead last in the AL East. Dead last. They're even behind the Red Sox. And the Orioles have put picked up pace. The Orioles have moved ahead of the Rays. They're a game and a half ahead of the Rays. Yeah. So props to the Orioles. I, You know what? I knew that the Orioles were going to be a contender because when they played the Rays, it seemed like they were a team that was actually very, very competitive against them. So props to the, to the Orioles for hanging tough and coming back. So it's it's going to be a dogfight. But, yeah, the the Yankees have a chance to at least make them competitive. They're not out of it yet. But they no. really got to start doing something a lot quicker because after the it's the Orioles, the Rays are game and a half back. The Blue Jays are five and a half back. The Red Sox are seven. And then you have the Yankees at eight. So it's not over, but they really got to start pushing hard, fast. Yeah. They got to get a win streak going and big time. And I also wanted to get your thoughts on, on something too, that was really came up a lot this week. Yeah. What do you think about the jets and them doing hard knocks? 
Well, I mean, even Coach Solace, he didn't want to be on the show. So I think he, I think he kind of feels like an insult. I mean, because Hard Knocks deals with teams that you know are not performing well, and uh, it, I guess to the Jets standpoint, it's a little embarrassing. But I'm anxious to see what you know, Hard, what HBO will you know will do with this, um, with the Jets here. So uh, I'm looking actually forward to seeing. You know, it, it, being that they've been talking a lot about it this week, and the Jets had to deal with some hate, I show what Sean Payton had to say, and I thought it was it was unjustified. I mean, the Jets don't choose who get who gets selected; it's it's randomly chosen, and then when you're chosen, you're the team. I, they didn't volunteer for that for being on Hard Knocks. It just seemed like they were no. the team that was picked. Well, um, you have you have to wait a period like about tw- uh, ten years before you get back on. Or if you're a new coach, uh, that doesn't count. So it, it's not random then. It was just a Jets turn, or how did they end up getting it? It was, I believe, it was a Jets turn. Yeah, that's what I understood too. That it was the, the Jets first, turn, and struggling, you know. And they're not struggling that bad. They they almost made the you know they were doing really well towards the end. They got you know things got a little hairy, but the Jets actually had a very good season. I thought until the last five games. Yeah, the last five games they struggled. The last five games, you know, they kind of went cold at the time that you really don't want to, and that's towards the end of the season. You know, you kind of want to get real, get a real warm, then get hot towards the end, and they actually kind of got really hot in the middle towards the season towards the end they kind of cooled off but what do you yeah, think the Jets how do you think the Jets are going to do now that they got Aaron back there well it just really does let's see if he's getting injured because that's going to be key right there yeah I think I think keeping Aaron happy and keeping him healthy is going to be the key but I yeah. think the Jets have a very good team so what do you think your right. thoughts on the way Sean Payton was kind of hating on the Jets I mean, we're just in training camp now. I mean, can't you wait until like at least uh, the second, the third game before you start hopping on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it was their turn to, to do hard knocks. It's usually a team that gets selected, from what I understand. And you're right; you got to play them the fourth week. Why are you hating on them in training camp? Yeah, and. I just thought it was unjustified. Plus, another thing is this. The Broncos did not do well at all last year. They did worse than the Jets. So you got a lot on your plate to worry about by yourself. You don't need to be worrying about what somebody else is doing, especially if you don't need to be worrying about what they're doing with hard knocks. You should be thinking it's not you because it it seemed like, if anything, it could be somewhat of a nuisance than anything. Right. It seemed like yeah. hard knocks to me seemed like something that during the time that you're doing it is kind of a headache and a pain, but many years later you probably would appreciate it. It seemed like during the process you probably don't want somebody, you know, with a camera all the time snooping around what you're doing. But many years later, right. after your career is probably done, you probably would appreciate it more. Yeah, so we got a lot going on in the sports yeah. world. A lot of things 
and definitely big things coming on. What do you got going on this weekend on your show? Well, let's see. We'll start with um, Women's World Cup uh, continuing. Um, countdown to the trade deadline of the M- of the uh, MLB. Uh, we got training camp in the NFL. We'll wrap up the uh, Open Golf Tournament. Uh, we'll also take a look at uh, WNBA and uh, UFC matches. I think there's a big uh, fight coming up soon. And we'll also have, of course, the ridiculous sign of the week, the uh, feel-good story of the week, sports trivia, this week in sports history, and, of course, the best and worst of July. On tomorrow's yeah. show, from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time, number to call is 512-543-4662. Don't forget, you also check us out on YouTube. Type in you, type in the go to YouTube and type in the Enhanced Sports Show. That's right, the Enhanced Sports Show on YouTube between four and six p.m. That's tomorrow, Saturday, four and six p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone. That's Lou, the Enhanced Sports Show. Call in number is five one two five four three four six six two. Again, that's five one two five four three four six six two. I'm going to be calling in. You guys need to call in, too. Yeah. Def- definitely. I have to make it, I have to make, help me make it, Alan, because I know last week yeah. you uh, didn't make it. Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't make it last week. Last week, I was actually just got back from vacation, and it was kind of real crazy on my end. So mm. I apologize. I couldn't make it. But, yes, I will definitely do that. Kind <laughs> You know what? It was one of those things, Lou, that I'm I'm thankful I got back when I did because when I got back, my water softener went out on Saturday. So I was dealing yeah. with a bad water softener and nothing nearly exciting. But I'm sorry I couldn't call in, but I'm definitely yeah. calling in tomorrow. You guys need to call in too, 512-543-4662. 512-543-4662, the Enhanced Sports Show. 4 and 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone and also YouTube. Type in the Enhanced Sports Show. He's got a fantastic show. I'm going to be calling in. expecting you guys to call in too. So definitely I'm looking forward to a great time tomorrow, Lou. I hope so. I just hope that if we get this, when we get this rain, it won't cause our power to go out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm praying that, you know, the power doesn't go out. I know that you're getting some hard rain over there. We've yeah. we've had that happen quite often here in Florida, but yeah, hoping the power doesn't go out because the show's got to go on. Well, I got my cell phone, so I'll try it from there as well, perhaps. That's right, Lou. He's been doing it for a long time. He doesn't let the rain stop him. He's gonna be on, and I'm gonna be on there too. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks. You're welcome, Lou. Always a pleasure. Definitely, really, okay. tremendously appreciate you. Thank you, Alan. You're welcome. I'll talk to you tomorrow, and you have a great night. You too. Thank you so much for calling. Appreciate you. That is the great Lou from the Enhanced Sports Show. Really appreciate and tremendously appreciate Lou. Thank you so much for joining us on the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. You guys also have an opportunity to join us, too, at 516-418-5572. And we got a lot to discuss here Friday night. A lot of great things going on. And 
you know, we'll even have another familiar voice here on the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. We're going to have Aaron, used to be my co-host, and we'll have Aaron a little bit later tonight. We'll talk about the Major League Baseball trades. We'll also discuss the Tampa Bay Rays, the Braves, and the New York Yankees a bit more. Give you some updates on that as well. So, yeah, we'll be joined by Aaron a bit later tonight. But, yeah, I wanted to talk some NFL football. So the big thing that happened this week is that Saquon Barkley signed a one-year deal after he was talking about holding out. Even all the running backs had a collective from other teams, all the teams, for those who don't know, a lot of the teams, their running backs joined a Zoom call. This included Saquon Barkley. It included Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, even players who have deals at this point and are not up for negotiation like Saquon Barkley. And they did this league-wide. And they really were talking about maybe collectively holding out and making it so that the force the owner's hand to pay the running backs, you know, more guaranteed money, longer contracts and bigger, of course, contracts after the, uh, the talks, the zoom talks about a day or two later, Saquon Barkley decided to sign his contract and end his holdout. He was scheduled to hold out and not appear for in training cramp. He wasn't even expected because of contract disputes, but he did sign a deal and I had for I had said this last Friday that Saquon Barkley should sign a deal because I checked more into this and a lot of people like to say hey you should do this you should do that you should have done this you should have done that when they're spending other people's money and they're not in the position of Saquon Barkley you know they like to say you should do this you should do that you should have held out more they should pay you more well the, the facts are I said it last Friday. I'm glad Saquon Barkley took my advice. He should go ahead and sign the best deal he can get with the Giants right away. Don't fall into that trap of letting your pride and ego and greed get in the way of what you have laid out in front of you. A lot of times, guys, I see it happen all the time. They'll let their pride, ego, and greed get in the way of their blessing. And what ends up happening is that ends up killing a huge blessing and an opportunity they have. Great, great example is Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell was flexing it, being greedy, thought that, you know, started talking like, hey, they throw me as many balls as the wide receiver or just as many. I should be paid just as much as a wide receiver and a running back. He's talking all types of nonsense. And he did hold out for a whole year to take less money for, uh, you know, the Jets at that time were not as good as they are now. They were a pretty poor team, and he signed with the Jets, coming from Pittsburgh Steelers. He could have been, from all accounts, a lifelong Steeler, and be now we'd be probably talking about him going to the Hall of Fame. So he admitted years later that he made a mistake. But I pulled some numbers. Saquon Barkley, at the beginning of the negotiation, was offered a three-year contract not a one-year contract it was going to average around 14 million a year 23 million was guaranteed then is is they kind of went back to the negotiation table it went down to 13 million and then it went down to about 10 million 
and he signed ultimately for about a ten million, a little bit over a ten million dollar deal. But you see, the trend was going down, and on top of it, you know, the Giants. One thing they didn't tell you is the Giants did sign another running back as a backup in between the time that they were going back and forth. So Saquon Barkley did the right thing and take the deal because the NFL has made it very clear that they are not going to let running backs push the envelope as far as guaranteed money and year per contract because they look at running backs more of a commodity. And not only that, you're more injury prone if you're running back. And we all know what happens with, with the NFL once you hit the age of 30. They're not really looking to give you a contract. And if they give you a contract, it's going to be like pretty much what Saquon got, a one-year deal. It's just a position that you take a lot of, you know, it's a lot of beating. Plus, you got a lot of guys who want to be the running back. So it's supply and demand. Guys outbid each other. So they usually save money on the running backs and give A, the quarterback a lot of money, and B, usually wide receiver or tight end, and or tight end. So I'm glad Saquon Barkley took the deal. He didn't listen to the people, play on the one-year deal, ball out, stay healthy, then try to get another deal with another team if need be, or another uh, try to sign another deal with the Giants. If that doesn't work, at least you'll have a little bit more leverage to get maybe a two- or three-year deal possibly in the future. But if you hold out, it's going to be just taking a bad situation and making it ten times worse. So props to Saquon Barkley for getting his money and signing his deal. Yeah, don't let ever let – your pride and ego and greed kill your blessing. And another big thing that happened this week was Odell Beckham. He hinted at retiring after his one-year deal. He got a $15 million deal to play for the Ravens. And he was talking that this might be his last year. You know, it, I don't know why guys feel a need to do stuff like this. I really don't. Okay. If this is going to be your last year, you should not be kind of floating that out there before the year starts. I really don't think that's a good thing for you to do because now you got to answer this question throughout the season. You just got a very, very lucrative $15 million one year deal from the Ravens. I mean, you're playing with Lamar Jackson that is a sweet deal for a, a wide receiver because you got a guy who could throw the ball to you. Not only that, he may not give you a lot of workload because he does like to run. So that's a very good deal for you to kind of take because it could be less wear and tear on you. And you have a chance for the team to go deep in the playoffs, if not win at all. You just never know. The Ravens are kind of like that type of grinded out team that can get streaky and get hot and you just never know so i would not sometimes it's just best not to say too much especially it just shows this can you know disingenuous thing that you just sign a very very lucrative deal and you're talking about retiring as soon as the year is over at the beginning of the season i would have just kept that information to myself 
waited to see how the year went out, maybe 60, 70% within a year, then maybe, but I would not be talking about stuff like this before the season, because let's say you have a very good positive year. You still, still got the itch to play. You do really well. You might get another offer from either the Ravens or another team. So don't float that out there. And, you know, if it is his, if it is his last year, I would say Odom Beckham to me is a very good wide receiver, but I fully, really believe, in my opinion, he's real overhyped. Yes, you made one spectacular catch for the Giants. You got a ring, but with the Rams, but it really wasn't like you got you got the ring all in your work. I, I just think he's an overhyped player. I don't, I think he's very good, but I think he he's too much in social media, talks a lot, and I feel as if there's better wide receivers in the league. Let me just say it like that. And this is this one I'm talking about. You're floating around that you want to retire before the year starts, and you just got a very nice deal. I just don't understand why guys feel the need to just talk, talk, talk. And some things you just just keep to yourself. You don't need to announce that before the year starts. It just – I don't see any benefit in it. You're not getting a send-off. You just signed a big deal. You're playing on a new team. Some things you just bet off just keeping to yourself. So I'll keep you posted on that situation, Odell Beckham. And another thing that happened is the Jets. We'll talk a little bit more about that, doing hard knocks and receiving hate from Sean Payton. It's just unnecessary. Why are you going to hate on a team that, let's be real, you got a lot to worry about as the Broncos. You got a lot of pressure. Team did really poor. Unless you know something we don't, that your team's going to be guns blazing, be all of that in a bag of chips. There's a lot to deal with in dealing with the Broncos. Bronco country is not happy. I think you need to keep the focus on that. You don't need to be worried about hard knocks and what they're doing during training camp. A lot of that is the producers choose it. A lot of times the team is out of their control. The Jets actually, especially Aaron Rodgers, didn't want it. But ultimately, the league made the decision. So focus on your own job is what you need to do sometimes and stop hating on someone else because now that could motivate the Jets. You don't need to motivate your competition. I always say it all the time. Don't motivate your competition. No need to make your job harder than it already is. It's hard to win. hard to beat teams in the NFL. You don't need to make your job any harder. And a lot of other things that did happen too in the NFL, you know, was that fact that they, in the Jets camp, that is, they were talking about Aaron Rodgers, Nicolas Cage again. <laughs> I, You know, I said it back then. I'll say it again. I thought it was really cool that he dressed up as Nicolas Cage. You know, sometimes it's, it's good to kind of lighten up the mood, especially in the NFL. It's it's a lot of stress, a lot of pressure to win. <laughs> Sometimes it's cool when a guy just comes ahead and, you know, gets a good laugh. So props to Aaron Rodgers for that. I give him props for that.
And more serious news happened during the week. You know, Bronny James, the son of LeBron James, he unfortunately had a cardiac arrest during practice. And he was fortunate that someone was there to call 911. He's, he, for what I understand, he's healthy now. Now, you know, relatively healthy. He's recuperating from cardiac arrest, and things are working well for him now. And I would definitely prayers to the entire LeBron James family, Bronny James. I'm glad to see that he's recuperating from a very traumatic event. This is something that no one of his age should be dealing with. And I won't mention a very, very good friend of mine who unfortunately passed away due to a cardiac arrest. And he's only a year younger than me and very, very good friend of mine. So I know it's a very serious, serious situation and prayers to the family. You know, this is a type of situation where, you know, LeBron James dad, I know that he would never push his son to the point of putting him in harm's way. You know, I know he wants to push him in and he had interest of in playing with him, you know, on an NBA team. But I know that LeBron James is a great dad. He would never push him to that point if he felt as if Bronny James was having putting his health at risk. And I would just say in this type of situation, based on what the doctors say, you may have to think seriously about continuing if you want to continue a basketball career because basketball is one of those sports where it is a lot of the cardiovascular. It's not like baseball where you, you have spurts, where you kind of running hard. Basketball, you, you're going up and down the court hard. You're taking shots. You need to have stamina, and you need to – that's one of the things I, I kind of hated about basketball is that you – you had to just keep sprinting back and forth, back and forth, and suicides. It's a it's a physically demanding sport, and you have to be in ultimate shape to do it. That's why you see a lot of guys who play basketball are thin. You know, they got muscles, but it's a demanding sport. So I pray that he gets great medical advice, him and his family adhere to what the suggestions and recommendations are, and I just pray that it works itself out. It's a, it is definitely a serious situation. But uh, it's, you know, for people who are hating and saying that, you know, pushing their kids too hard. You know, every papa wants to push their kid hard, but not to the point where their health is at risk. So we'll see how Ronnie James does and his decision going forward because, it, it, you know, this is definitely – never a good time to have cardiac arrest but right when your career is starting to take flight you know he's actually we're doing really well but now he's usc signed and one of the things you just hate to see so prayers of ronnie james and family you know a lot going on this this uh in the sports world too we also have plenty of boxing news we're going to go ahead and talk about a bit later tonight, too. A whole lot of spa, uh, boxing news. A lot of big-time boxing events and things that have happened over this past week. We'll go over all of those details. 
and a lot, lot more. We're going to go ahead and take a quick little break here, play a little song, Sports Theme by Sam Scola. Told you you're going to hear from him a few times tonight. Sports Theme by Sam Scola, right out of Maine. Really appreciate Sam Scola and Mary. So we're going to play a little Sports Theme, play, take a little break, and we'll continue forward on with the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. We're just getting warmed up. Got a lot to discuss. Major League Baseball trades, boxing, and a lot more. But for now, we're going to listen to the sports theme by Sam Scola. Sports theme song by Sam Scola. So, yes, a lot of great things going to be happening here coming up on the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. We're going to talk Major League Baseball trades and also the Tampa Bay Rays, Braves, and New York Yankee updates. I'll also be talking a lot about boxing tonight. Definitely, there's so much to talk about. 
And there's a lot, lot of things going on. You know, uh, one of the things that, you know, kind of shed to light, I'll talk about now, is Amir Khan, unfortunately, got robbed for his watch in London, his home country. And this is definitely an unfortunate incident. You know, it's really sad when anybody gets robbed at gunpoint. But it's even sadder when it's, number one, a guy's cool as Amir Khan is with the fans. You know, this guy, you know, is a professional boxer. But, you know, I just really wanted to talk about this because I hated what some of the fans said that, hey, he's a pro boxer. Like, he shouldn't get robbed. You can have the boxing skills in the world. If someone has a gun pointed not even six inches from your face, you know, you are even worse off than a guy with a knife at a gunfight, as they would say. Because, yes, you got hands, but you're going to have to hit the guy quite a few times. And he was with someone else, too. There was, you know, I saw the footage. There was really nothing Amir Khan could have done. And literally, he did the right thing by just giving up his watch, you know. And I pray that he's able to recover from this. His wife was with him. It's just unfortunate that that this event has happened because Amir Khan is really a guy who loves to engage with the fans. You know, he'll take pictures. He he, you know, he loves. He's a social butterfly, and you know, something like this kind of happens it kind of alters your perception of people and and for it to happen in your own home country too where you're from is just despicable it really is you know it's it's sad and yeah so i you know i mean it was just really foolish to me and insensitive for people to say hey he's a pro boxer you like again you know what are you going to do when someone has a gun pointed to you and you're a pro boxer i've interviewed quite a few pro boxers and i could tell you there's in that situation you're worse than a guy at least you have a weapon on you your hands are a weapon when you're a boxer but not when someone's got a point a gun pointing you like that there really isn't much you can do at this point and it's unfortunate that he had to deal with this and you know amir Khan. if i saw him walking the street i'd ask him for a picture i mean it's just it's just sad that we live in a society that, you know, the good news is the the two assailants did get arrested. Each of them got an average about eight to ten years. And is this foolish? I mean, you know, guns in the UK are very, very strict. That's one great thing is that, you know, you're not going to get away with it, so to speak, because they have extremely strict gun laws. But they did catch the assailants. At least that's silver lining. So they do have to pay the penalty for their crime, which is about eight to 10 years. They're very stiff and they gave, you know, the watch back. So it's just uh, a traumatic experience that he, he had to go through. I feel bad for him that he has to. I pray that he gets the, you know, counseling and the help that he needs because things like this can change people. We were, we were just talking about people signing autographs and, last week about Patrick Mahomes. You know, sometimes when you are a person who, when you're a celebrity or athlete, you become a target. And not all people are bad. 
Some people are just really, really excited to see you and meet you and take a picture and really don't mean any harm. They want to leave you. They want to meet you on a great impression, leave with a great impression, but you get some bad apples. You know, it's, it's kind of like that movie, you know, said, you know, you let the good in you with the bad, you let the bad in with the good. And that's unfortunately what happens sometimes when you're an athlete. But yeah, that was something that did happen this week. It is confirmed. So definitely props to Amir Khan. I mean, <laughs> you know, he, he, he'll he fight anybody. I mean, the thing about Amir Khan, he's, he's a showman. And a lot of times I feel as if he'll just take fights just to kind of get a big payday. He really knows he doesn't have a chance to win, especially, he, he, you know, I give him an A for effort. He has, you know, it's not just me seeing it or saying it. He, The man has a glass jaw. I mean, literally, he has a glass jaw, but he'll get in the ring with anyone, <laughs> and, and he'll, he'll take his loss and get his payday and keep it moving as if nothing happened. So, you know, he's a epitome of getting knocked down and, get back up he'll just keep he'll just keep getting back up I mean man he really can't. I mean he probably I would have to say when I really really think about all the pro boxes on a on a this is a, on a funny note of all the pro box I've ever seen I think American got the the worst glass jaw I mean man you hit him with a punch flush and he's going down he's going down like a like a sack of potatoes. I mean, <laughs> so, but definitely just trying to shed some light on a, on a bad situation. Props to Tamir Khan and his family. I'm glad that nobody got hurt. I mean, his wife were okay. You know, he got, the, the guys got caught and, you know, this is uh, this is tough when you had something like this happen in your home country where you were raised. So yeah, that that that's terrible. I mean, I hate to say it, but I've you know I'm from Brooklyn, New York, rough area. I've gotten robbed a couple times, actually about three times, and all in my home country. So if that's any solace that it happens. <laughs> People got, they say, people got more love for you when you're away from home than you are when you're at home. And that's unfortunately how the case is. So props to Amir Khan. And man gets knocked down, but it keeps on coming. And then, uh, you know, we have our former guest, Sinisa Superbad Estrada. The beautiful Sinisa Superbad Estrada is fighting tonight, Friday night on you know, you catch that too and I'll kind of, I'll update you on that as well Sinisa Superbad Estrada on her fight, I pick her to win but she does have a tough opponent you know, this will not be an easy night for her and it's actually you know, I'm a little surprised that they have these fights, the mega fight on Saturday and have her fighting on Friday, uh, you know if somebody wanted to support her, they couldn't be there and Vegas. So unless you got a jet, unless you like Floyd Mayweather, but yeah, so we'll keep you up to date on the Sinisa 
Subat Estrada fight she has tonight. We have that fight tonight. I'm going to talk more about the, definitely a lot more about the mega fight with Errol Spence, Terrence Bud Crawford. They did the weigh-in today. That fight is tomorrow night. And then I'll also talk about Shakur Stevenson, his comments. And after the George Cambosis fight, I'll give you my thoughts on that a bit later. I'll also go ahead and review the the Fulton fight as well and let you guys hear about my thoughts on that. If I also think the pound for pound fighter is who I think is the pound pound fighter of the world is. And I'll give you my thoughts on that a bit later, but we're going to talk major league baseball, major league baseball trades and a lot more. We're going to bring on a familiar, a familiar voice, of the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show, familiar to me, familiar to you guys as well. We're going to go ahead and bring on the one and only Aaron right now. Hey, how you been, Aaron? Hey, doing great. How about you tonight? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. Really appreciate you joining us this evening. So glad to hear from you. A long time no seek. Has it been a, it feels like it feels a little strange for you now, I guess. Yeah, it definitely does, but it's great to be back on, and and certainly I know that things have been uh, going great for you uh, the last uh, couple months, and definitely glad to see that. I've I've seen the new uh, show uh, logo, and and of course, uh, everything that you've done uh, these last uh, two or so months, I'm really proud for you and happy for you, so happy to be back here, happy to get an opportunity to come back and and talk baseball as uh, as the trade deadline is actually, especially Tuesday, it's August 1st this year. Normally it's uh, July 31st, but it'll be August 1st, which is this coming Tuesday. So a lot of stuff to talk about there because there's so much that might happen. There's so much that might not happen. It's kind of going to go down to the wire uh, in a lot of ways this year, like it does in other years. So we've got a lot of stuff to talk about there. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on and glad to have you back. And, and you're the Major League Baseball trade specialist. So, yeah, let us let us know your thoughts on what are some of the trades that are potentially working what moves should be making should be happening and let us know it all yeah absolutely before we get to the trades i want to correct some things from about three four months ago when we were doing our preseason predictions two things that i'm clearly going to be wrong on this year i thought the cardinals were going to win that central division they're probably going to be selling here by tuesday as far as uh pieces that they can trade and then the other one is I picked uh, 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 the manager in Cincinnati. Um, give me a second to pull his name back up here. David Bell. <laughs> I picked him to be the first manager to get canned this year, and he just signed a, a three-year extension with the Reds. So um, it just goes to show you that, you know, we, we project these things and predict these things, and they don't always happen. But I wanted to throw that out there because it was kind of sticking out like a sore thumb. So, but right into the trades, um, you know, the biggest name we've been hearing about for the last probably a year now, and, and really more so in the last, I'd say, two months, six weeks, somewhere in that vicinity, is Shohei Otani with the Angels. It looked like uh, maybe a month ago they were definitely going to try to move him. Now it appears, Alan, that they are going to hold on to Shohei Otani. Angels are going to go for it here. They just picked up some pitching. Uh, they are trying to, to keep 
everything together. And, you know, the, the, the weird thing or the strange thing, I guess you could say, is because in the last couple of years, baseball has changed the number of teams that make the playoffs, you now have more teams that are hanging in there. So there's really only going to be maybe eight to ten clubs that are, are going to say, hey, we're, we're out, we're not making it in. Teams aren't going to shop at players as much as they had in the past. You know, it used to be there's only four teams that got in. Now with the expansion of the playoffs, more teams are going to let it go down to the wire. So Shohei Otani is off the market unless something critical changes. I don't see him going anywhere. Um, in fact, uh, you know, the Angels at some point may get Mike Trout back. And they might be a team that uh, can push for one of those playoff spots. Um on the other side of things, uh, the New York Yankees, and I think both of us thought they'd be in a much better position. Um, they may hold things where they are now, but they do not look like they're in a very good position at this point. They're uh, fifth place in the AL East, which, you know, over 500 to, to be in last place. That shows you how good that division is. Uh, but the Yankees are in a, a really unique position. They're not normally a team that sells. We, we don't normally see them shedding payroll or trying to get rid of players. Normally, they're buyers. They normally go out and try to get pieces. I think the next uh, two to three games, so basically tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday, is going to determine what they decide to do. Uh, there's been some rumors that Juan Soto of the Padres, because the Padres seem, are, seem to be out of the race uh, there in the NL West and maybe even out of the wild card altogether, might move on from him, and New York would be a good uh, landing spot for him. Um, there's some other pieces. Now, we've seen a couple of deals, uh, Alan, that have gone down in the last one to two days. Um, in fact, uh, looking over the notes that I have here, um, looks like, let's see here. You know, the Dodgers made a big deal uh, earlier today. Uh, they got uh, Lance Lynn and Jill Kelly, so a starter and a relief pitcher, uh, both from the Chicago White Sox in a deal. Uh, you also had the Astros reacquire, uh, reacquire reliever Kendall Graveman, uh, excellent relief pitcher. That's going to be the key, I think, this uh, final two months of the season is starting pitching and probably even more so those relievers. Those relievers are so important nowadays. Because starters, they only go five innings, six innings. So you've got to get guys that are going to be able to close these games out. And as we get to the critical point of the season, especially as hot as it is out now, guys are starting to wear out a little bit more. So you're not going to see starters necessarily go – six or seven innings like we're accustomed to, you're going to see guys go five innings, maybe five and a third. And then you got to make sure that bullpen is built up for, um, you know, for the, the remainder of the ball game. So I expect some things to happen. I want to get your opinion though, on where things are as we sit here on July 28th. Is there a team that you're surprised is playing so well? Is there a team you're surprised is playing not so well? Is there somebody in between? Yeah, there there is a little bit of it all. I, I am team will start with the Yankees that I feel as if they're really struggling is the Yankees. You're right. They're in a peculiar peculiar situation in the fact that they're in dead last in that division. You know, Darren Judge is back, but you know, you're right. They're they still are not out of it, but they gotta start getting hot really fast because that is a tough division to make the playoffs. I am surprised that they're this far back. It does look a little bit better being Yankees back than it was a few days back where there were 10 double digits. But yeah, the Yankees are a team that I'm surprised are struggling as bad as they are being last place around this time of the year. You know, it's still not over. And the Orioles, 
I'm not surprised they're doing well. They actually taken over first place now, and they're a game and a half above the Rays. I watched them play against the Rays, and it seemed like they matched up really well with the Rays right here in, the, in Tropicana Fields. So I'm not actually surprised they came back and took the, the took over first place. It's still the Rays still in it, only a game and a half back. But that is a tough division, the AL East. So you know, props to the Orioles for doing their thing and taking over the division against a really hot Rays team. What are your thoughts about the Rays and what they're doing? Well, and you know, they cooled off. If you look at where they started, obviously thirteen and zero. Uh, that was obviously going through the middle of April. And then I think it was from like May 29th up until the first week of July, because I was actually at a game there on July 8th against Atlanta. And the Rays were a 500 team from May 29th all the way up until July 8th. So they, they basically just played 500 baseball. And, that you know, that, that's that's why having a hot start matters, though. I mean, they, they, they played so well in those first 13 games. And nobody thought they were going to go, you know, win 120 games or, or what have you. But, you know, to me, they've still got some holes. I think that just like any team out there who's a playoff contender, their bullpen is going to be, you know, the thing that most teams are going to, you know, need to try and pay attention to. I mean, you want to make sure that you got that enough pitching. And you can't win without pitching in this league, as we all know. So, um, but I, I like, I think it's a two horse race there in the AL East right now. I think Baltimore, uh, third, I mean, very complete team. I, I really like them. They're a young ball club. They were not very good last year, but everybody kept saying, okay, well, we, you've got, uh, you know, a handful of young prospects that are going to start popping up here in the next one to two years, have one of the best young catchers in baseball, in my opinion. Um, and he's done a great job this year. And I think he's been their leader. They kind of remind me a little bit of the uh, the, the uh, 2009-2010 Giants in terms of just kind of coming out of nowhere in a sense. Um, and so, I, you know, I think it'll be the Rays and the Orioles to win that division going down the stretch. I just think those are the two most complete teams. And then one of three, uh, of course, uh, Toronto, Boston, and New York. And I think Toronto is probably the best out of those three because they have pitching right now. Boston has struggled with their pitching. In fact, uh, I was watching a game with them the other night, and I think that they had gone like 10 straight games without using a traditional starter. They had a uh, the uh, the uh, pitcher who started the game and pitched one inning, and then of course went immediately to the bullpen. And then the Yankees, I just I, I for the life of me can't understand. I mean, I know they've had some injury issues, but they just haven't had consistency. And I think you and I agree on this. Uh, this is probably going to cost Aaron Boone his job after this after this season. I think the writing is kind of on the wall there. He's had a pretty good run, but you know the the peak happened a couple of years ago, and unfortunately, I think they'll move on from him after this season. Um, there's a bench coach up in Toronto by the name of Don Mattingly, who I think will end up taking that position at some point there in New York. But we'll cross that bridge in a few months when we get to it. Um, but uh, a couple other uh, big names that are possibly out there too. Uh, the uh, the Mets, of course, very very underachieving this year. Justin Verlander, as well as Max Scherzer, both of those guys, or at least one of them, could be traded. I have a sneaky feeling though, if it's going to happen, the Mets are going to have to eat quite a bit of the remaining contract because both of those guys are signed to pretty large uh, money deals. So I think if either of those guys gets moved, the Mets are going to have to, you know. 
suck it up and, and you know, eat some of that salary. Yeah, the Mets are really, really slid off. I mean, just think last year we're doing really well. There's 17 games out of behind. It's just that's that's even worse than the Yankees. You know, that's pretty bad. And it, you're right. I mean, a lot of things have happened. And, and the Pirates, they were doing so well off the great start. Now, I have to say you were right. The Pirates had a hot start. Now they're the last place at 11 and a half games back. Yeah, I think with the Pirates, you know, the thing about it is you got to stay consistent throughout the whole entire year. Um, good to get off to a good start. I think that team has certainly turned the page in terms of being a contender, but you can't just contend for two months. you got to contend for all six months of the season. And the NL Central is a somewhat forgiving division because it's not one that you're going to see a team win 100 games in. But I like the Reds right now. Uh, I like David Bell. I think he's a good manager. Cincinnati has a lot of good young players uh, that have come up the last couple of years. Ellie De La Cruz is the, the big one that came up here earlier this year, the big uh, six foot seven left-handed hitting shortstop. Um, and he's been a, a real good piece of that team. And they've got a lot of other good young talent there as well. But you've got a veteran at, at uh, first base, Joey Votto, who, you know, 38, 9, or 40 years old. And, you know, um, this might be his last chance at being on a contending team. So I think it's a good thing to see them there. Milwaukee, uh, they're certainly right in the thick of things as well. Um, and then, uh, you know, the Cubs, I think this, the Cubs at this point could be a wild card team. They're going to have to really play pretty solid ball in the last two months of the season, but they, they feel like they're right in it, uh, that they can at least be in striking distance of a wild card spot. The team I'm probably the most disappointed in this year would be the San Diego Padres. Um, this is probably the third or fourth year in a row. They've had a really, really talented team. All the pitching they have. I mean, look at all those hit batter, uh, you know, bats in our lineup for lack of a better way to describe it. They've got a lot of, a lot of talent there and it's just not coming together. And, you know, I, I mentioned Juan Soto before. I won't be surprised if Juan Soto does get traded. It'll be a half-season rental, of course, because he's a free agent after the season's over. Uh, but I, I think cut, cut your losses at this point. They're not going to re-sign him anyways. You might as well get something for him now. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if you are out of it and you're that far back, might as well take advantage. Juan Soto is, is definitely somebody who you can get a lot of value for. And speaking of, you know, Ellie De La Cruz, I wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, the way Dave Martinez, his managing and the way he went at Ellie in his bat and then he hit that home run. What are your thoughts on Dave Martinez? Well, I like Dave Martinez. I think he's a good baseball guy, um, good manager, certainly a World Series winner a couple of years back at the Nationals. Uh, you know, sometimes you have to play mind games with the other team. That's sometimes how you have to go about it. Um, I think what you were referring to happened, I want to say it was about three weeks ago. Um, right. Yep. Uh, he had the, the, that unique, it's a, it's a piece, I think it's to, to stabilize the bat from vibration. Um, I think uh, that was something that Dave Martinez wanted to question. Dave Martinez has been one of the most animated managers this year. He's had a few, uh, you know, interesting, um, you know, run-ins with uh, the umpiring crews. He had the one where he, he – you know, crept down behind home plate and was trying to show the umpire where the pitch was at. This has been a bad year for Washington baseball, uh, without question. I was up there uh, about six weeks ago, and, you know, this is a team that's in rebuild mode right now. They, they sold off, uh, you know, most of their big talent. 
Uh, obviously, a couple of years ago, they traded away Max Scherzer as well as uh, uh, Trey Turner. They traded away a year ago Juan Soto, who we were just talking about before. And, you know, obviously a few years back, they uh, traded, uh, they lost uh, Bryce Harper to free agency. So their window closed here pretty quickly after they won that World Series. And so now it's kind of like, you know, when you're frustrated, if you're winning and you're frustrated, it's one thing. When you're frustrated and you're losing and they've had some games that they've lost in a frustrating manner, it's not that hard to see a, a big a big, a big skipper react that way. He wants to win every game that he possibly can. Um, so I, I don't blame him. As far as why he did that with Ellie De La Cruz, I don't know. Um, you know, not sure what happened prior to that that we maybe didn't see on camera or on, on the on the game on TV, but um, it's, it's what happened. And those are the kind of things that do occur. I mean, you go back to uh, you go back to the most famous one that I can think of is um, 82, I want to say, with the Yankees and the Royals and George Brett and, uh, of course, the uh, the old pine tar incident there. So didn't quite happen the same way. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you got to try and, and get inside the other guy's head, and that's, I think, what Dave Martinez is intending to do there. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's his epic. <laughs> and the, the pine tar incident, that's, you, I mean, you pulled out the classic. I thought he was going to kill that referee. I thought he was going to kill that referee. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, you know, I really did. I thought he was going to kill that referee, man. Well, and the, the nice thing, you know, we're going back uh, 40 years here to when that, 41 years, in fact, uh, 1982 when that occurred. Um, and the Royals actually played the rest of that game under protest, and they ended up making the rest of that game up because the league ruled in favor of the Royals at a later point. And I want to say they finished that game later that year. It was like August of that year. And they finished the game. The original game was in May, I want to say, of, of 82. Um, and so what ended up happening is they played that game with basically nobody in the stand because it was played on an off day. Um, both the Royals and, of course, um, uh, the uh, Yankees had. And, of course, that was Billy Martin's thing back in the day. He, he, he had no problem getting inside the other guy's head and, and trying to, you know, rile up the other team, outthink them, outguess them, and then also – just simply make them mad, which I think he did a pretty good job of. So that was basically Dave Martinez here recently doing his best. Billy Martin um, didn't quite work, but you know, good try. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that was 1983 and 83. Okay. <laughs> yep. I was off by a year, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, he did, you know, for the people, they did play, play it on the protest, like you mentioned, and he did get credit for that home run. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, those who don't remember exactly what that was about, um, Billy Martin felt that there was a similar thing with the bat. Billy Martin felt like there was too much pine tar on the bat, and I believe the rule back then was that the pine tar could not go further up the bat than the length of the plate. Well, the plate is 17 inches. Most bats are going to be between 32 and 34 uh, inches in, in length. So basically, about roughly half the bat um, from the handle where the hitter holds the bat all the way up to the middle of the bat can have pine tar on it. 
Now, the reason for that rule, if people don't remember this part of it, is back uh, you know, many, many years ago, long before you and I were around, and they were a little more conservative on equipment and baseballs and things like that, part of the reason they made that rule was so that teams weren't wasting a lot of pine tar. They were trying to cut down on usage. So that rule actually had no bearing in terms of you know, whether somebody was cheating or trying to take advantage or some of the things we talk about now with like sticking stuff on a pitcher's hand had nothing to do with anything along those lines where it was giving a hitter an advantage. It was actually because way back in the day, somewhere along the line, probably in the 30s or 40s, um, you know, so 40 years or so before this happened, you know, they were trying to cut down on, on usage, which, you know, it's kind of funny when you think back about it now, all these years later. It is, it is. And one thing, <laughs> it is funny when you think about it now, but it wasn't definitely funny for George Brett then, that's for sure. <laughs> and, and you know, your Braves, they're just, they're killing the game, literally. I mean, they're 10 games up. And, you know, the, the Phillies and Marlins are tied for 10 games back. What do you think about your Braves and their chances at this point? Well, I, I like the chances right now. Uh, my concern is uh, just like we Oh, it appears that we have lost Aaron there. Cole dropped. But definitely we'll we'll hear back from Aaron and get his thoughts on the Braves. I know um he he's a big Braves fan for those who don't know. And I've noted he's he's gotta feel happy about the Braves sitting ten games up. Still a ways to go, but you know, a lot of teams would love to have double digit, you know, lead. And yeah, with there being so many games, you can't get lax or, or complacent. You got to keep winning because you can get caught. And we've seen that before. You got to hang on. And it's, you know, you teams with a hot start doesn't mean they're going to end up winning the division or take it all the way home. So you just, uh, you just got to keep grinding. Yeah. So just got to keep grinding. So, you know, lots a lot to talk about. And one thing that's happening in Major League Baseball is uh you know, oops, we got we got Aaron back. We got Aaron back, I hope. Yes, yes we do. Sorry about that. Uh cell phone service sometimes likes to be a little tricky. So as I was uh starting to say there, you know, you're asking about where the Braves are. I like where they're at, but I'm I'm just as concerned about their bullpen as I would be anybody else's at this point. That's been kind of a Achilles heel really for the last probably month or so. Uh, that's been the thing that you've got to try to stay away from, try to outplug the other team, and that hopefully uh, hopefully helps out. So uh, right now they're beating Milwaukee in, uh, in the bottom of the eighth inning, 10 to 7, and hopefully they can hold on to win. So. I mean, yep. So, I mean, definitely you got to feel good. It's still a long way to go. But I, I would have to say the Mets being 17 games back is really probably the shocker in that division. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I expected them to be in, in at least more of a contention uh, than than where they're at. That's obviously uh, surprising there. I still feel, I thought Atlanta was in a better position coming into the season because they're a more complete team. They just they round out better. Um, they also have more experience. They've been doing this for a while. They don't overreact uh, when things aren't going right. They kind of 
try to stay evenly keeled. And I think that's one of the big things is they have a consistent manager in Brian Snicker. He's done a great job these last six years. And um, unless something really drastic changes here in the next uh, two months, they're going to win their six consecutive division titles. So um, we mentioned, uh, you know, we in, I mentioned Fred McGriff. Uh, sorry, we mentioned uh, – I feel the beans there on that one. We mentioned uh, George Brett a few minutes ago. I wanted to throw my shout-out again. I know we talked about this about six months ago. Fred McGriff going into the Hall of Fame here this past weekend. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to watch that or not, but, you know, what a, what a great uh, event. Uh, very, very happy for him. One of my favorite players growing up as a kid, still one of my favorite players to this day. And I was very delighted to see him go into the Hall of Fame and listen to his induction speech. He was very humbled and kind of the same kind of guy we always watched on the field. He kind of had the same the same um, reaction giving his induction speech as he did as a player. He was very kind of soft-spoken, and uh, but it was nice to hear him you know, be able to speak there and, and get to go into the Hall of Fame well-deserved. Yeah, absolutely. Fred McGriff is a guy that was well-deserved to get it. He just came up. During, I feel as if the, the kind of like bad time of baseball, and he definitely deserved to get it. He's, I'm glad and happy for him. I did not get a chance to watch his speech yet, but I have heard both Fred McGriff and Scott Rowland's speech were awesome. I am definitely going to watch both of them, but props to Fred McGriff. I got a chance to meet Fred McGriff, take a picture with him. This is before he got his Hall of Fame induction, and Props to him. I mean, it was good that props to the Veterans Association for making this happen because he could have been one of those guys that got looked off by the wayside many, many, many years that we all would have been saying he should have made it but didn't make it. And for him to get a unanimous vote through the Veterans Association, you know, it's kind of like a pat on his back that he he really deserved to be there. So props to, to Fred McGriff. I'm going to give him a round of applause, in fact, for his uh, – induction to the official induction now to the hall of fame and yeah, definitely uh, well deserved yeah absolutely absolutely well deserved speaking of well deserved that's going to be my question to you is the other kind of part that made it you know i know he made a great speech a fantastic speech. i didn't hear it yet but what are your thoughts on Scott Rowland now officially being a Hall of Famer? Well, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't actually watch his part of the ceremony. Um, yeah, not because I didn't like Scott Rowland. I think he was a great third baseman. Uh, he, he definitely deserved it. I think that you know the Hall of Fame measures you really on two things: um, the era that you played in, and the players relative to the era that you played in, and then also your place in history, aside other players that were similar to you. So. Um, I don't think there was anything in particularly special about Scott Rowland's stats when you look at him in the grand scheme of things. But if you go back and actually dig deeper in, one of the top three hitting third base during his era, he played, I believe, 16 or 17 years in the league with the uh, uh, Phillies, Cardinals, Reds, and I think he was with Toronto at the very end uh, for a year. Um, very consistent player, a gold glove third baseman, excellent defender. Um, and a, a team leader. Um, so I, I'm definitely happy for him to get in, too. I think it was, uh, you know, the right time for him. And I think the other thing, too, and I think we talked about this probably back in January when it was announced that he was going into the Hall of Fame, this is a good thing for other guys that were maybe 
fringe players. And I don't think Andrew Jones is a fringe player. He should be in a Hall of Fame already. But I think this opens a huge door for his pathway probably in the next two years. Um, this is the best defensive outfielder of my lifetime. Better than Griffey. Um, he was the Willie Mays of this generation uh, that just passed us here. And so um, Andrew Jones, just for his defense alone, all the runs he saved, uh, catching, you know, robbing home runs or robbing extra bases in the gap, making a great play, uh, making a great throw. And then a guy who had over 430 career home runs uh, on top of it too. So I think he'll be in there at some point. Um, you know, some people have said, well, Scott Rowland getting in means that the the uh, standards for getting into the Hall of Fame have been lowered. I don't think that's the case at all. I think that if Scott Rowland had played in an era back in the 70s or the 60s, he might not get in because his numbers might not have been there. And you have to measure him against who he played against in his prime. And he played against guys like Chipper Jones, Aramis Ramirez. Um, you know, there's a few other really good third basemen that played during his time. And he had a great career. And I think his numbers uh, warrant his going into the Hall of Fame. So guys who are fringe players to that point, you know, would you think if, say, if they let – some fringe players in, would it be the Hall of Good instead of the Hall of Fame? Well, by definition, you're in the Hall of Fame at that point. So, you know, there's been other players in the past that have gotten into the Hall of Fame that, you know, that same arguments come up against, hey, does this guy really deserve to be here? Some of the numbers have changed. You know, 3,000 3, hits and 500 home runs is pretty much an automatic to get in yeah. 300 wins as a starter is pretty much automatic to get in. Now, if you want to look at it in how the game has changed, you know, 300 game winners, the last guy to win 300 games was Randy Johnson way back in 2009. So it's been 14 years since we've seen a 300 game winner. By comparison, you look at how many guys have uh, reached 500 home runs. I mean, that's, that's not an uncommon number any longer. Um, so there's, there's a little bit of a drastic change there. By comparison, though, you look at Mike Mussina, who got into the Hall of Fame in 2015 or 16, I believe, 270 wins. And that's Hall of Fame worthy, in my opinion. 300 is, is definitely automatic, but there's guys who are, who are getting in, like Pedro Martinez. Didn't need to come close to winning 300 games. So I, I think it's, it's a measuring tool. It's a measuring stick, and you have to look at, a little bit between the lines, too, sometimes. I think that's a little bit of a, a part of it. How did a guy play in the playoffs? You're not going to get to the Hall of Fame just by your playoff statistics, but you're certainly able to get into the, uh, into the Hall of Fame with having some great numbers. A fair comparison or a fair argument would be Kirby Puckett. He, he retired in 96, I want to say, or 97, and... He was well short of 3,000 hits. I think he had 22 or 2,300 in a 12-year career. He got into the Hall of Fame, and a lot of it had to do, of course, he had to retire early with the eye, uh, eye issues that he had. Um, but, uh, you know, again, somebody like Sandy Kokax, 166 wins, less than 175 wins in his career. He's a Hall of Famer. So, again, it's, it's, a, it's a measuring stick of who you played against in your career and where you are historically. Another guy that I think will eventually get in, hopefully, is going to be Dale Murphy. I think he's got to be pretty high on that list here before too long. Yeah, so definitely as long as you're saying that they're not watering down the Hall of Fame, I know that you keep an eye on those stats. That's always encouraging. And one guy who no, is I, the Hall I of Fame. I would feel the Hall of Fame is 
I was going to say, I think the, the Hall of Fame would be getting watered down if, uh, you know, if we were seeing eight or ten guys every year going in. That would be a problem for me. Um, it, it's the elite of the elitist of the elite, if you will, the Hall of Fame. And so when you only see two, three, four guys a year going in, and some of those guys have waited like Fred McGriff did for almost 20 years to get into the Hall of Fame, that's to me worth it. Um, he, he, he did his time. He should have been in by the normal voting, but a lot of these voters, unfortunately, have some vendetta or they, they think that they, you know, have to cross all these different things off. And the thing about Fred McGriff, a pure player, his best seasons as a hitter, as a power hitter, happened well before the steroid era was as apparent as it was in the mid-90s. He had seven consecutive 30 home run seasons um, from, I think, 87 to 93. So that's one argument there. He's also the last player um, to lead the league in home runs. He actually led both leagues in home runs with only hitting 37 and 36, which, you know, we go back to about 20 years ago. Guys had that many home runs at the All-Star break. So a unique player, but I, I – Fred McGriff, I think, definitely deserves to be there, and I think there's a few other guys we could. Uh, I know we have in the past um, that it'll, I think, eventually get into. Yeah, I mean, definitely, Fred McGriff, I think, got hurt more than anything by the steroid era. The fact that he didn't get the 500 home Agreed. runs, and the fact that they were looking at other guys in the landscape and how many home runs they were hitting, they felt as if, hey, you should at least got 500. And he got, he was just a, a victim of the culture on the wrong side, but. He's in there now, and he and he got payback, so I'm glad he's in there in his lifetime. He made it in. I know he smiled from ear to ear. So props to Fred McGriff. And I want to get your thoughts on one Hall of Famer who is now a broadcaster, and that's Derek Jeter. What are your thoughts about him now joining the, you know, the broadcast and being part of the media? Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely playing the part very well. I think, uh, you know, I saw him, I think it was at the, was it the Home Run Derby? Or was it maybe, yep. it might have been the actual derby, yep. game. That whole couple of days was kind of, yeah, that whole couple of days was kind of a blur. So, um, no, I think he's enjoying himself. I think, uh, you know, obviously he took himself very seriously as a player for 20 or so years. And then, you know, trying to perfect the art of being an executive and leading a team and making changes to the Marlins for the five or six years that he was there. Um, you know, that, that certainly was challenging and unfortunately it didn't work out. Um, they kind of butted heads between himself and, and the other part of the ownership group there. And that kind of led, you know, essentially led to his deciding to walk away. So now he gets to be around the game in more of a fun capacity. He gets to comment on the games and, you know, I think he's kind of living his life in a in a more probably a more enjoyable uh, perspective now. Yeah, definitely. And props to Derek Jeter on his new job, and we're working real hard to get Derek Jeter to be a guest on our show to hear from him that he's doing something more fun. You're right. So we got a lot of things yeah. coming up on the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. So we definitely appreciate you blessing us with your your presence and, and coming back like old days, Aaron. Yeah, absolutely. This was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm pleased to have been able to come back and certainly baseball is my, uh, my forte as far as what I consider myself an expert at. Um, and uh, of course, uh, you know, everybody keep an eye out over the next uh, three days or so, four days 
uh, between now and I believe it's 4 o'clock on Tuesday, uh, August 1st, 2023. I think there's going to be some moves that are made. And, of course, uh, you know, there's about two months or so left in the regular season and then the playoffs start. And hopefully I can come back and talk a little playoff baseball here uh, as, uh, as we get into October. Absolutely. We definitely love to have you back. This is our Major League Baseball guru, Aaron, and you're always welcome here on the Alan Alfred Sports Talk show. So it's always a pleasure to hear from you, Aaron. Definitely we'll have you back in the future. That sounds great. You have a great night. You do the same, Aaron. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for calling in. Appreciate you. No problem. Good evening. <laughs> All right. Take care now. Yeah, so that was our great guest, Aaron, who used to be our co-host. And now uh, definitely it's always great to hear from him. Always good that you still have friends in the business, you know. Thank you, Aaron. So really appreciate him for joining us here on the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. So we talked about Major League Baseball. That's definitely Aaron's expertise. I love baseball. I keep up to date with it, but he digs even deeper. So definitely glad to hear from from Aaron. and. Now I'm going to talk about boxing. That's more or less my sweet spot there. Plenty of boxing news to discuss. You know, the big mega fight with Errol Spence versus Terrence Bud Crawford. Who wins and why? All right. Well, I watched a lot of the footage of this fight. I watched all axes one and two. I did not watch three. I don't know if they released it yet, but or if it's coming in closer to fight night, but I watched parts one and two. I watched the press conference. So let me bring up that speed. I did talk about acts, all access one and two. Let me talk to you about the press conference. I, I have to agree with Terrence Bud Crawford. You know, I'm talking about the black and brown community. Why do the us black and brown community have to be extra at events? There was a brother or sister, it could have been either one. They didn't really show on the camera that well who it was that he was talking about. I believe it was a brother, but I had to put a vote on it, but I couldn't see him. And Terrence Bud Crawford was first. Who, if you haven't seen it, let me just give you a quick synopsis of what happened. It was a press conference like normal. And Terrence Bud Crawford, at the beginning of the press conference, Sounded like he was being a politician, diplomat, talking about, you know, calm it down. There was somebody in the front, George acting too much. He was getting on Terrence's nerves. And he basically said, basically what I just said, why do, when we get together, people think that this is why they can't get brothers together because something goes down. And like you said, on, on his side, on my side, Spence side, or Crawford side, things could get ratcheted up and get deadly because you're dealing with the black and brown community. I get exactly what he's talking about. I know exactly what he's talking about, and I agree with him. He was talking like, you know, diplomat politician, you know, trying to calm and diffuse the situation. That was at the beginning of the press conference. Towards the end of the press conference, my man went straight hood because that guy would not stop. Terrence Bud Crawford started throwing the (laughs) N-word multiple times. And that's what he did at the end of the press conference. So diplomat, let's have peace, world peace. You know, Michael Jackson, heal the world, went from through that out the window to the N word towards the end of the press conference. 
and the brother couldn't stop. And he is right. This is what happens when you get too many of us together. My thoughts on that is this. Not just the black and brown community, the whole boxing community wanted a big mega fight. And you finally got it. So relax. Like the, like Terrence said, just relax, chill. The fight is coming up this weekend. You got what you wanted. Just sit back and relax and let it play its cards and see what happens. I've been saying it. I let the head out of the bag, but I'm going to say it again. If you're first hearing this, I am predicting Terrence Bud Crawford to win this fight. Not that Errol Spence Jr. is not a sensational boxer. He is. He trains really hard, and he has the trainer of the year in his corner. Not just any trainer, the trainer of the year. He's got everything working for him. You know, whether you're looking from the outside and the inside. I've watched a lot of Errol Spence fights, and he brings the heat, and he's the real deal. He is technically sound. However, Terrence Brod Crawford is technically sound, but he's he's got that it factor. He's special. He kind of got that Mayweather. He doesn't fight like Mayweather, but he got that Mayweather type of thing to him where he can bounce orthodox. He can bounce southpaw. He is so fast and quick with his punches. He's very accurate. He's he's very elusive. He's athletic, and he's just hard for you to kind of game plan against 98, 99% of the guys you can game plan, plan against Terrence Bart Crawford. He is very difficult to game plan against Errol said it in all access one. I don't really know what he's going to do. And he's right. When you don't know what he's going to do, that's going to make a difference. And not only that Terrence Bart Crawford can make adjustments in and during the middle of the fight, just like Mayweather could those things usually make a difference of him winning the fight. I think he's going to switch up sides. He's going to bring everything he can, old school and new school. He's just going to be elusive. He's going to be more skilled. And he's going to be quick, very fast. He's much faster to the punch than Arrow. Arrow takes a little bit longer punches. Not bad. I've seen guys take a lot worse. But Terrence is a lot quicker, more compact. And I think the speed kills. The speed of Terrence Bud Crawford is going to make a big factor and difference in this fight. Everyone's going to be like, hey, I'm getting hit with two or three punches from this guy that's coming out of nowhere. And then he's switching up styles. By the time Errol adjusts to one, he's going to be doing something else. You can't just pressure him, get in his face and pressure him. So I got Terrence Bud Crawford. I said it way back when this fight was announced, and I'm sticking with that. I have Terrence Bud Crawford winning the fight. I do agree with Tense Bird Crawford. Hey, black and brown community, when you get us together, you got to act better. The fight is here. There's nothing. You can support your fighter. You can get pumped up, but there's a line. Don't cross the line. The fight's going to happen. You know, they made weight. It's just a matter of time at this point. And not only that, you got what you want. It's a mega fight. This is Tommy Hearns type fight. You know, Sugar Ray Robinson type fight. This is a fight of the decade. It usually doesn't happen in boxing. It typically doesn't. Usually guys who are at the top of the line, top of the heap, the fights that we want to see, they don't usually give us. This year, I have to say, for the most part, it's been an anomaly. We've gotten quite a few fights fell through that we did want to see, and this is definitely a fight that everybody wanted to see. This is a mega fight. No doubt about it. 
you know, for those who don't know, I'll put it out there. I, we did apply here, Alan Alfred Sports Talk Show, to try to cover this Errol Spence fight. Unfortunately, we did not. No harm, no foul. We'll keep applying to other fights. And big thing with this fight is really you have to be somebody who covers boxing kind of exclusively, more into boxing. You know, when it comes to a mega fight like this, everybody wants to cover it. So, you know, it's you just take it with a grain of salt. It is what it is. I can't say I'm shocked at it. I'm disappointed, but not shocked. So we'll keep plugging away. But, yeah, I got Terrence Bud Crawford winning the fight tomorrow. I just hope a few things do happen, though. Number one, I hope this fight does not end in a draw. I don't want to see this fight in a draw. Even if it's not who I predicted, Errol Spence, I still don't want this fight to end in a draw. I want a clear-cut, decisive winner, whether Terrence Burke Crawford, who I predicted to win. Again, I predict Terrence Burke Crawford to win. Or Errol. I want a clear-cut winner. Whether the guy I predict won or not, I want a clear-cut winner. I do not want to see a draw, first and foremost. Because there is already a, a rematch clause. Having a draw to me is just blah, okay? I want to see a clear-cut winner. Plus, if you get a clear-cut winner, somebody's going to be undisputed. So I don't want to see a draw. Number two, I don't want this fight to end in controversy. I want it to be a clean fight. Whoever wins, wins. Whoever loses, loses. I don't want a controversial quick stoppage, somebody interfere, tape on the glove, something happened like that. You could have won because it is. I don't want to hear none of that. I want a clear-cut winner, loser, no controversy. Third thing, and most importantly, like Terrence talking about, when you get black and brown community together, you guys act a fool. I don't want us looking bad in this fight. There's a mega fight. Chill. Just chill. The only guy that's going to determine who this fight wins at this point is Terrence and Arrow. Just sit back and relax and enjoy the fight. That's all you got to do. You can support your guy, but there's a line. Don't cross the line. If you want to know how to act with class, watch the Fulton and Inakui's fight that was in, in Japan. Definitely do that. And the next thing I want to talk about is the Secure Stevenson. You know, he made some comments right after the George Cambosis fight. And he basically told George Cambosis, who, was, who said he was only going to take 25%, that, hey, I want to fight you. That's what George Cambosis said. I want to fight you, and I'll take 25%. That's it. Shakur Stevenson said, man, you're no match for me. You're no competition. Basically, you're going to get stopped. I'll, I'll only fight you if the other guys I, I am trying to fight don't want to fight me. Then I'll fight you. And I didn't disagree with what Shakur said. I do think I agree with him. With all due respect, if George Cambosis fights Secure Stevenson, I do agree with Secure Stevenson. George Cambosis is going to get stopped. Clear as day. He's going to get stopped. And even Secure said it is because he has no defense. If you don't have defense against a guy like Secure Stevenson, you don't have a chance. You just don't. You can be the greatest puncher. That is not going to be enough to beat a guy like Secure Stevenson. He is an elite fighter. Very skilled, been in the Olympics, guy can box extremely well, got power, got speed. You're not going to beat him just 
being a very good puncher. Sorry, it's not going to happen. I don't care if you punch really, really good. And George Cambosis will get stopped. I agree. However, the only thing I didn't agree with, Shakur Stevenson should have kind of doused it down a bit because in boxing, Shakur Stevenson wants to fight either Devin Haney or Tank Davis. Those are the fights he really wants to get. Those guys, in my opinion, really don't want to fight secure because they know he's elite. I mean, I'm sorry. You know, it's been talks that Devin Haney wants wants to give up the belts, you know? So I would have just said it like this. Yeah, let me talk to my team. It's something that I'll consider, you know, maybe not be so hardcore because as I said earlier in the, this show, you don't want to let your ego and pride hurt ego, pride, and greed, let's say, hurt your position of making a deal. If you can get an easy fight where guys are taking 25, you know, 25%, and we all know you're going to beat them, George Cambosa still does have a name. He does have a following. Why not take the fight? You know, don't be so hardcore because those other guys are more than likely not going to fight you. And if they are going to fight you, there's going to be on a lot of contingencies, a lot of negotiation, blase, blase. You got a guy willing to fight you. You know, and I know you're going to stop him. Just take, the, you know, he's taking it. You know, he's going to fight you for 25%. Go a little less hardcore and make a business decision and say, all right, you know, I'll consider it. I'll talk to my team. And we'll go ahead and go back and see if, if it makes sense. You know, give them the company line. And this way you can keep them engaged to for you to get a nice payday. Why not take a payday, an easy, especially an easy payday if you can't? People would see Cambosis fight you. I, you know, I do think, yes, you're going to beat him, but hey, it's still a, an easy payday. Why not? You know? And, and then we had the Fulton Inakwe fight, Inakwe fight in Japan. And this is the reason why I don't like the pound for found rankings because it it makes you kind of judge guys in different weight classes against each other. You understand? This guy, Naya, was just sensational. He was just sensational. It okay was just sensational. It okay was just phenomenal. He reminded me of a Japanese version of Manny Pacquiao. And Fulton did not have an answer for him. He was just, Inokoi was just, just too fast, too powerful. Fulton really was just backpedaling on his bike the whole night. He did have one round he did all right in. I'll give him maybe two, which I don't think he won two rounds, but I will say I'll give him the benefit of doubt that maybe he got two rounds max. But yes, that kid is special. And I really can't say he's the pound for pound best fighter in the world because there's something about the welterweight division that's very sexy. The other division that's even sexy in that is a heavyweight division. So that's why I don't like to say pound for pound fighter. I would say he is, we got to see what happens this Saturday, this weekend. But I would have to say NOK is definitely in the bantamweight, that 120. I would say if he goes up to 125, 
he is something special. He is something special, and he's he's just phenomenal. Having said that, the welterweight division and the heavyweight division are divisions that here in America, people kind of put more weight on them. So I have to kind of see what happens this weekend, how the results are. Before I name him the pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world, I would say definitely in his division. The 125 division, I'll give him that too. I agree with Tim Bradley. I would even go up to 130. I would say he's special, and he's going to pretty much wash anybody in that division. So I'll keep you up to date on that. But yeah, my our former guest, Sinisa Superbad Estrada, is fighting. I wasn't able to kind of watch that fight because it's going on right now while I'm on the air. I don't want to spoil the fight for people who fight it who are watching it now. I'm gonna go ahead and tune in and see how she's doing. But big props and and best wishes to Sinisa Superbad Estrada. We need to get her back on the show. It's been a been a minute since we last had her. Bless her, bless us with her appearance here on the Alan Alfred Sports Talk Show. And you know, uh, definitely going to keep you guys up to date on everything coming up with the trade deadline this this coming up week. A lot of great things are going to come up in August as well. So I'll keep you up to date on that. Let me give you our show calling number for the future. 516-418-5572, 516-418-5572. Hold on to that number. And definitely would love to hear from you on an upcoming show of the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. Want to thank our fantastic sponsor, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting, you may need a support group. So Chef G is doing his big thing. He's got a lot of great things coming up real soon. I won't spoil a surprise, but Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce, you guys need to go ahead and get yourself a four-pack, get yourself some uh, Florida sand, and you need to do that too. And definitely you can do all of that at his website at flbbqsauce.com, flbbqsauce.com, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting. You may need a support group. If you missed it earlier in the show, you're in luck. I'm going to play it again. Song by Sam Scola, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce song, by written by our great songwriter and producer, Sam Scola, right out of Maine. Really appreciate Sam Scola, who just celebrated a birthday. Happy birthday to Sam Scola. I wish him a happy birthday. I know it was just a few days ago, so big props to Sam Scola and his beautiful wife, Mary. So here you go, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. Counting for variety, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. A natural flavor, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. Florida gold honey mustard on burgers and ribs. Tasty fusion on pork and sausage. A classic taste for chicken steak tips. A hot heat wave on meatballs and ham. It's a cookout treat. Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce 
serve on fish and vegetables, Chef Cheese, Florida barbecue sauce, Chef Cheese, Florida barbecue sauce, Chef Cheese, Florida barbecue sauce. Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce, so delicious and addicting. You may need a support group. FLBBQSauce.com. www.flbbqsauce.com. Get yourself a four-pack. Let us know what flavor you think is the best. We'd love to hear from you. want to thank our great callers in tonight, our guests. We had definitely, we had Lou. Really appreciate Lou from the Enhanced Sports Show calling in. We want to thank Aaron, our special guest as well, for giving us the Major League Baseball insight. Always great to have a great friend and definitely nice to hear from Aaron again. So appreciate Aaron calling us in and appreciate you guys for listening to the Alan Alfred Sports Talk Show. Appreciate all your likes, your comments, and and definitely follows and subscribes. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's just real easy. Alan, just type in the search bar, Alan, A-L-A-N. Again, that's A-L-A-N, and then the last name is Alford, A-L-F-O-R-D. Type in Alan Alford, pop right up. Alan Alford as Sports Talk Show. And then for Facebook, please follow us at Alan Alford at uh, Facebook.com backslash Alan Alford Sports Talk Show. Alan Alford Sports Talk Show. And you can find me right there on Instagram, Alan Offord, and Twitter, Alan Offord. So definitely, it's always a pleasure having you guys and definitely doing this show. This is the last show in July. Last show in July. Next time I'll talk to you be in August. A lot going on. We're going to keep it moving here on the Alan Offord Sports Talk Show. Really appreciate you guys. Until we meet and talk again, be blessed, be well, have a fantastic weekend. Take care of yourself. Make a friend. And definitely be safe and be well. We're going to end off the show with a great song again by Sam Scola. You guys need to sign Sam Scola. If you had, definitely reach out to me to sign Sam Scola. It's the end of the show outro by Sam Scola. And really appreciate Sam Scola and Mary. You guys are the best from Maine. Still owe me that lobster dinner. I haven't forgotten. When I come up to Maine, I'm going to go ahead and grab that. <laughs> so Sam Scola, the end of the show. You guys be blessed. Be well. So we meet again. Take care of yourself on the Alan Alfred Sports Talk Show.
Lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.